Love Talk Radio.
Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to what is our Thursday night broadcast of Prayer International Radio, live here from Dallas, Texas. I'm your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. Our call-in number is 619-638-8458. If you need prayer, have something on your heart, please give us a call. You can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com, and I should get those um, email requests pretty quickly, and we can pray for you on the show. So, Father God, Lord, tonight for everybody who's listening, Father, we take this show, Lord, for the remainder of it. Father, and I give it completely and totally into your hands. Father, asking that, Lord, your will would be done tonight. Father, that every word spoken, that you would use it to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, that you would reveal your word to those who are listening, Lord. Father, as your word declares that you would give everybody a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their hearts would be flooded with light, that they would know what is the hope of their calling. Father, that we would know the inheritance that we have in you and the inheritance that you have in us. Father, that you would reveal to us tonight, Lord, the mystery of Christ Jesus, resurrected, the power of his resurrection in our lives. Father, for anybody out there who needs healing, Father, who needs deliverance, Father, we trust you and we know your word to be true that declares that by your stripes we are healed. So, Father, in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I ask right now for complete and total healing on every one of them. In your name, Father. Amen. So, it's, uh, what's today? This is May 17th, um, a year that seems to have gone by far quicker than um, could have ever been imagined. And it's it's been an interesting um, month, to say the least, um, f- filled with all sorts of changes. And, and um, I, I want to say more questions than anything as far as um, um, mine and Chris's life and um, the ministry. Um, just to catch all of you new listeners up, um, me and Chris both work. Um, full-time. He lives in a town called Garland, and I live in a town called Plano, which is, they're both pretty much, uh, I guess you could call them suburbs of Dallas. And um, I I work full-time Monday through Friday, and Chris does, currently he does just contract work, um, computer um, work, and which it's it's good money the Lord um, provides as always, and we always 
no matter what, whether we have the most amazing job or we don't have any job, we always trust for the Lord for all our provisions because we know He's the source of all of all our increase. He's the source of all our provision, and because He's a provider. And but that being said, Chris actually got offered a full time job, which is amazing. It's to the praise of God's glory, and one of the reasons that it's um, that it's such an amazing praise is that um, at one time when Chris was walking. Um, not with the Lord A long time ago I, I couldn't even tell you how many countless years ago It's been like 8, 9, 10 years Or something like that um, He had a past life Which all of us do um, Now I don't mean a past life in um, As in reincarnation But I guess in some ways That is true um, Just not the way the world perceives it um, But we are all are Born again um, given a new life through the Lord Jesus Christ when we um, trust Him and ask Him to come into our lives. And likewise, Chris did the same thing, And um, but he still has a history from his past. Um, um, I think it was like at least one conviction on his record from way back then. And, and just to tell you, um, I've known Chris a majority of my Christian life. Um, far longer than even that um, time in his life, which was really brief. And he is probably one of the most anointed um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Christians I've ever met. Um, and he's not one of those Christians, and he's not on the show, so I can talk about him, which is great. Um, not in a gossiping sort of way, but just to give praise to the Lord for just a minute. Um, Chris has a really... Genuine walk with the Lord As far as he, He'll always be real with you About what's going on And um, we've been close friends For a number of years And you know him and his wife Tracy um, ha, I mean have always Have struggled financially And um, with so many different things um, They're constantly on the move um, Going from this house to this house, this hospital to this hospital, to pray for people, to minister to people, um, from this church to this church, to um, preach and teach and to encourage the, the believers. And so, but, but with this um, stuff from his past, way back when, um, whenever he goes to um, get a job or he's attempted to get a job in the past, they always come back and say, well, you know, we know what you're like now, and we know what you what we say, what you say your character and everything is now. And um, and Chris will be um, upfront with them always, and telling them that no matter who they are, no matter what the position is, that he serves the Lord Jesus Christ. And and he'll tell them about the past and how the Lord delivered him. And some jobs that's enough for, in some places it's not. Um, he worked for um, a company called J.P. Morgan doing computer work, and they did background um, checks on him. What I think he said something like at least once every month or every couple months, and none of this stuff from the past, um, this felony, um, never came up. And it wasn't for. You know, I think it was for. Um, and Chris wouldn't have a problem telling you it was for drugs and something like that. But it was like way back in his past, and. It wasn't like a violent offense or anything like that, and 
but J.P. Morgan would do background checks on 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 him all the time, and they would never come up with any of this stuff. But yet, he at one time was trying to do a simple job, like um, working for some alarm company, and they found and their their records found it, and so he couldn't get a, he couldn't have a job there. But for years, he was working at J.P. Morgan, the Lord blessing him and the works of his hands, and. Um, now he's um, been offered what I think is like the most amazing job, which is traveling um, pretty much all over the world. I think he'll be going from the United States to Canada and then Australia, and the company will be like literally paying all his travel expenses, paying um, for food and everything else. And they'll literally every like three weeks or something like every three weeks, he'll get up and he'll just um, go to whichever country, Canada or Australia or wherever it is, and he'll do some computer work, and then he'll come back for um, a week or two. And he gets a week off um, every month, and then he'll be on the road again, or on a plane again, which seems more like it. And um, so he's in this phase right now of trusting the Lord, because they haven't done the actual background check yet. And But... As always, Chris has said that he's pretty much, well, I guess the state of mind is, okay, God, this is in your hands. And whatever you want to do, we're going to trust you. And, you know, and and so we don't know exactly what the extent of that's going to be. He's still planning on um, doing the broadcast every other night because we split it up. And the less the Lord changes that and we have to split up the broadcast some other way or... um, However we do that But you know that whole attitude of saying God okay whatever And it, it sounds really weird to say that um, Some people would consider that lazy Or not having faith But I think at times That's having That's the, the height of faith Is regardless of what happens in your life You can just step back From this situation Sort of looking at The situation from a different perspective Because Far too often um, in our lives, we're, we're stuck in this one, like, I guess you could call it tunnel vision of what happens in our lives, where we see things just based on what our eyes see, what our emotions tell us, what our feelings tell us. And it's really hard to escape from that point of view. So then when all the human emotions we have come in and give their opinion of what happens, and then you have your your um, ears hearing the opinions of all your friends. It's hard to sometimes step out of that situation and to see whatever situation you're in from an outside perspective. But we have to. We have to step out of our situation, step out of the box, and look back at our situation through the eyes of God and through the eyes of His Word that's spoken over our lives. I had an interesting um, thought the yesterday, um, and I, I think I was in my car, which is where God tends to speak to me a lot, and or I may have been on the train, I don't remember. No, I think it was in my car. And God was telling me um, about how how important it is to not just know what the Word of God says, not just to know that the Bible says that, um, like, let's see, I'll give you an example. Um, 
one of the um, most famous scriptures in the Bible says that he is blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And it's okay, to, it's okay that we know that the scripture declares that. And it's like, okay, God, you've blessed me with us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And it's like, okay, we know that scripture is there. We took it away. And so if we ever need to use it for a prayer because we think it sounds good to pray, then we can pull that back up and we'll be like, okay, here's what it says. But faith sometimes has to go beyond that. And what I mean is, I'm going to, you know, I need to um, do my whole stand up and walk around thing. So just bear with me one second. Hopefully I don't lose anybody. I'm just going to switch over to my cell phone. Okay, so hopefully all y'all can still hear me. Um, at times, um, when I want to actually talk with a little bit more freedom, I need to grab my um, my actual cell phone because I can get up and walk around because I normally use Skype and a headset. But it gives you very limited mobility when you're in a house. Or me, for example, I've learned that the best place to do the broadcast from since um, me and Chris both do it in our homes, mine seems to be, which I didn't find out until just the last few weeks, is actually outside on my back patio. Okay, so faith and the Word of God. It's okay to know that the Bible says that he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. It's great to know that. It's great to know that the scripture says that. Um, You could even read the same scripture over and over again, and you could um, even write it down and be like, okay, it's great that I know that. But what happens after that? Is it a scripture that's really alive inside of you? And is it does that scripture actually become part of who you are? And there's all these scriptures about about the Bible, and I'm going to get into it a little bit. Um, Ephesians says, "By grace you are saved through faith. It's not a not not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Is it true? Of course, it's true because God said it. So whenever we're living our lives, we're going about our daily lives, and we make some mistake or we um, screw up, and pardon my language, if, but literally, I mean, when we screw up, which we all do, the Bible says um, everyone sin and fallen short of the glory of God. It says if anyone declares he has not sinned, the truth is not in him. But when we do screw up, when we have those occasions where we, we fall short of whatever it is, Sometimes we get to the point of beating ourselves up constantly and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I did that. My whole, my whole life is over. That's the end of it. The, the ministry, my walk with God, whatever it is, I'm a horrible person. Um, I'm never going to change. I'm always stuck like this. And when we should be like, okay, what does God say? Because sometimes we have to quiet our own spirits within inside of us. Um, the scripture in the, in the Bible, in Psalms, David says, 
Why are thou, thou downcast, O my soul? Trust in the Lord. Why are thou downcast, O my soul? Trust in the Lord. Sometimes we need to preach to ourselves more than we need to preach to others. Sometimes we need to clear the word of God over ourselves more than we even need to declare it onto others. Um, Paul said that he disciplined himself, at least after he had preached to others, he himself might become disqualified. Well, how do you become disqualified? You become disqualified from stepping outside of the grace of the Lord and falling away from it. And the only way to fall away from it, from the grace of the Lord, is to stop believing the grace of the Lord and to start walking contrary to the light of the gospel in which we've been called. And one way to make sure that that never happens is to constantly constantly be in his word, constantly be in the presence of the Lord, constantly be in the word of the Lord. Someone told me once that a long time ago when I was um, a really young kid in Christ, he said, you have to have, in, the, in this Christian walk we have, you have to have an amazing relationship with the Lord, an intimate relationship with God. But you also have to have an intimate relationship with his word. You have to have a balance. You have to have the word of God, which brings stability. It brings truth. It brings revelation. And you also have to have the spirit of God, which brings the intimacy and more revelation and the power of God and life. But you can't live on one without the other. You can you can for a little bit, but then there will be part of your, your life that's imbalanced or unstable. And when the storms come and the winds beat down and the mountains stack up around you and the, and the armies of the enemy are camped about you on all sides, you need to have his word dwelling on the inside of you and his, and his Holy Spirit dwelling in you to bring up that word and make it alive inside of you so you can declare it over yourself and declare the truth over your situation. And that's the key thing. Declare the truth over your situation. And what's the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when something happens in your life, regardless of what it is, are you just listening to the voice that's between your ears, or are you listening to what your emotions say, which can get you sometimes even into more trouble because our emotions um, as humans, which we still are, tend to um, freak out a little bit over the smallest little thing. Um, One of those, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, oh, well, what are we going to do? which is the attitude and mindset that the children of Israel had once God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, the Egyptians, from whom they had been in bondage, some of them most of their lives. Bondage to a nation that was not their own, even knowing that God had given them a promise, they were still stuck in bondage. But God delivered them. They called upon the Lord. The Bible says that the Lord saw them and he heard them. 
and he declared in purpose even in himself that he was going to deliver them, that he was going to bring them to a land which was their own. And God delivered them, and they saw these amazing signs and wonders, um, the plagues from um, that happened to, to the um, nation of Egypt that was um, mostly done so that um, Pharaoh's heart would finally be um, at the point of letting them go. They saw these amazing things. I mean, the waters changing and frogs and lice and locusts and, you know, then the firstborn of all the households of the children of Israel killed in one night, their own children only being spared because of the blood that was put on their their doorposts at the leading of the Lord as a symbol and a foreshadowing of the blood of Christ that would not just be applied to the doorpost, would be applied to our very our very lives, our very spirits. And so the, the Lord delivers the children of Israel, and they walk out with great possessions. Um, the children of Israel are wanting, I mean, are leaving, and the children of Egypt are so wanting them to leave because of this God they serve and these plagues that have come upon them because of their leader, that they start loading them up, loading up children of Israel with gold and precious things, and they're like, here, take this and take this and take this and just go and get out and, you know, anything you want to take, just leave. And, you know, the Bible says he, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can actually think, which they lived through that night. And so they get out and, which should be a great cause for celebration, and it was temporarily. But then the Pharaoh's heart um, turned, and he's like, okay, what did I just do? Where did all our servants go? Why am I listening to their God, blah, blah, blah? Let's go get them back. Let's get back all our gold that we just gave them, all our possessions. Why should they have it all? And so he starts going after them. And the children of Israel started to freak out a little bit, and they were like, okay, God, um, did you bring us out here to die? You, We left the comfort and security. And you know, it's funny, when the storms come, even after seeing the hand of God move in our lives, that sometimes we try to look back on what it was like when we were in, in our own Egypt living in bondage, and somehow we think those times were better. Not because the situation was necessarily better, but because we didn't have to trust in the Lord. We could still trust in our own senses and our own abilities, and we're like, well, back then I could trust it. And what pretty much what it is, it's telling God that all of a sudden, okay, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I was going to go. It was going to go. So, Lord, I'm not really sure that you know what you're doing. And you know, back then, even though I was in bondage and I was crying out to you for help. At least I had some control over what was going to happen and what the outcome was going to be. And now you've you've delivered me, which is great, but I'm not really sure if I like the way you delivered me, so maybe you need to think about what you've done, Lord, because it's you're not really pleasing me the way I expect you should. I mean, what a horrible attitude to have, that all of a sudden we feel the that we have the right to question the Lord God. 
that even after he has delivered us and brought us out of bondage by his own power, that all of a sudden we're like, okay, God, you don't know what you're doing? When in reality, the truth is we have absolutely no clue what we're doing, and we have absolutely no clue what's really going on half the times. But God promised them that he was going to take them to a land that was their own, a land flowing with milk and honey. He said that he was never going to leave them nor forsake them. He had the cloud of fire at night, the cloud of smoke by day to lead them and guide them. And his presence was always before them. And like manner, without the visible cloud in front of us, we have a greater cloud of the glory of God resting in us through the Holy Spirit. And so they have this amazing presence of God with them. They have the promise of the Lord, who they knew God who cannot lie, who is from everlasting to everlasting, who created the world and everything in it, the multitude of the heavens by the power of his own hand. And for a little bit they knew him in that way. They knew he delivered him. But then when the first big obstacle came up with the Pharaoh following following after them, they're like, okay, um, we're sort of scared now. What are you going to do? And they didn't even say, what are you going to do? They're sort of like, God, are you trying to kill us? They didn't even stop to see what the Lord wanted them to do. But as he is faithful, even when we're not at the Red Sea, he made it part, and they escaped. And the Lord devoured the enemy, the armies of Egypt behind them, and then they celebrated. And they're like, yes, God did it again. God's awesome. You're doing a great job, God. And you're, it's amazing. He's delivered us. We're saved. And let's get to that promised land you talked about. And, and so they, they're on their way, and all of a sudden they're like, man, we're tired. I know our shoes aren't wearing out, as the Bible said, God provided them in such a great extent that even their shoes and their clothing didn't wear out. And I don't know about them, but I have four children of my own, and I and even myself, I work every day, and I mean, I can't get my kids' shoes to last more than a month. And they walked around the desert for 40 years, and their, and their clothing wasn't, like, wearing out. I mean, that's the biggest miracle, I think, more than the more than the, the, I mean, signs and wonders in Egypt, more than the Red Sea. I mean, the very fact that their clothing wasn't wearing out was a big one. And so they're walking, they're going to this promise, they have this promise of God, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, God, well, we're hungry, and you know what, we don't have any food, and, you know, this one kid over here ate all the rest of the chocolate bars or the the whatever we had saved up and we're running out of food and we're all hungry and God did you bring us out here to die and so once again once again the attitude of their heart went from trusting God trusting that God knew what He was doing to 
okay, we're going to go back to trusting ourselves and seeing what looks right in our own eyes. And so they started to complain again. God, did you bring us out here to die? God, you don't know what you're doing in my life. Why aren't you providing for me the way I see fit? And they complained. And, you know, God, who doesn't have to answer to anybody, doesn't need to justify himself, doesn't need to prove himself to anybody. But yet, once again, he, being a God who does provide, always, poured manna out from heaven to feed them. But God was a little bit different this time, and he's like, okay, you know, wait a minute. We, we're, I'm going I'm to provide for you, but you need to learn here. You need to learn in this situation. You need to learn in this in this trial. The testing of your faith produces patience, the Bible says. But God was like, okay, in this miracle <clears throat> where you're going to get to experience my glory in your life supernaturally, you need to learn from it. So don't just go out there and start gathering up everything. Don't get greedy, but just get enough for today. Because I want you to trust me, not just this moment, but I want you to trust me every minute of your lives. Because it's not about the food, it's about me. And so they went out there and they gathered their baskets, enough for their families for that night and God's like, if you take any more, it's going to go. It's going to go bad the same night. Just take an effort tonight and come back tomorrow, and we'll do this process all over again. And so, the Lord began to pour manna out, and they started to learn that. You would think they would start to learn that if he were, he, if the manna showed up yesterday, the provision showed up yesterday, it, it showed up the day before that, and we can go back three or four days and. You know, I can remember that day that the manna started pouring out from heaven. We can just assume it's going to show up tomorrow. Not because um, scientifically or naturally speaking that the sky just automatically rains heaven, but because God is a provider who keeps his word to us from generation to generation. And, of course, being children... Being human, all of a sudden they get to the point where like, well, God, this is great, but we really don't like this bread anymore. And it was great in the beginning when we were glorifying you. It was great when we were hungry. But, you know, I remember back in the days of Egypt when, man, we could have anything we wanted to eat. You know, we were slaves, and um, we had to, like, work day and night, and we had almost nothing of our own, and we weren't treated very well, but we didn't just have bread to eat. So are you? do you really know what you're doing, God? And once again, they turned back to looking at the situation at hand because they hadn't learned that the source of their life wasn't the clothing on their back. It wasn't the food and their mouths, it was the presence of God. And so God sent fish. And they keep going. And You would think sooner or later they would learn their lesson. Sooner or later they would see God and they'd be like, oh wow. You're not just doing this as a one-time thing. This is who you are. 
but at times God has to deal with us like that. At times God has to continually remind us of who he is because we tend so easily to forget it. You know, there's all these sacred feasts and um, what we call holidays, um, Passover and things like that, that the God said to do this always and remember so they wouldn't forget. Jesus said every time you, when we do communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget. Because we have a tendency as people to forget things, and we have a tendency in our lives to forget the Lord. And so then the children of Israel later in the story are, now they're thirsty, and so, of course, they're like, God, I know you provided in Egypt, and you know what, all this all this stuff that you did in the past, but what are you doing for me today? Where's the? Why are we dying of thirst out here, God? Or did you send us to die? And, you know, the same story God provided, as he always does. They didn't come across the river. They didn't come across the lake. God's like, well, you know what, you're in the middle of the desert. I'm trying to get you over here. But I'm, every time I try to get you to go where I tell you to go and so I can get you there quickly, you, you keep going in all these different circles because you keep trying to do it your own way. I keep saying going left, and you're like, no, God, well, you don't know what you're doing. We're going to go right. I keep saying that you need to go through the mountain, but you want to go around it. Where is your faith? How is it? You know, it, it's the same verse, and it doesn't actually say it, but I can almost imagine that God wanted to say it right then, the same as Jesus said to the disciples on the boat, on the boat that was sinking. How is it you have such little faith? Foolish children. You know, Jesus had to say that sometimes to the disciples. Foolish children, how is it you have no faith? How is it with all that you've seen in your life? How is it with all I've done for you? How is it that every time I've shown myself to you and proven myself to you and proven that you can trust me in every area of your life, how is it you have no faith? Have I changed? Am I not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Did I not give you my covenant? Did I not give you my promise? Did I not give you my word declaring over you that I would never leave you or forsake you? I would never leave you as an orphan, but I would always be there. How is it you have no faith now? How is it that the world and the desires of the world have been able to come in and rob you of the joy and peace that belongs to you in my name and through my word, how is it you have no faith now? Because this mountain that you go that you're going through isn't any bigger or different than the mountain you went through before. And you didn't get through the last obstacle and the last mountain because you had amazing strength and power of your own, but you got through it by my word. You got through it by believing and trusting in me and letting me work in your life. How is it now? You have no faith. 
you know, we see those things in our life quite a bit if you think about it. There's always going to be another bill to pray. There's always going to be another person who's sick. There's always going to be another argument, another disagreement with a family member. There's always going to be a need to provide for your family. As long as we live, even though the Bible says that our lives are but dust, as long as we live, there's always going to be an area in our life where there's a need. And while, you know, the Bible does say that a man that doesn't work shouldn't eat, it also says that his grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. How is it we have such little faith in him that we can so easily turn away from having our eyes upon him and put our eyes back on our circumstance? But even though we do that, because we're still at times full as children, he doesn't seem to really change. He stays the same. He always has. He always will. Because he's from everlasting to everlasting. And he'll still provide. The question is not whether God's going to provide. The question is, are we going to have peace? The question is, do we let the enemy rob us of our joy? Because it's not our tears and our pleading and our complaining that move the heart of God. It's his love and his compassion for us that moves his hand at times. If you look through the scriptures and you see that many times when Jesus would heal people, he, he was moved with compassion. There was a love inside of him for the world and for his people. It never says in the scripture that Jesus healed someone because all these people over here were complaining. God, why won't you heal this person? Why was he sick? Why was he this? Oh, God, why Why this? Why this? Why is he like this? This is so unfair, God. Do you know what you're doing? Now, Jesus never stopped and listened to people like that. He probably listened to them, but it wasn't that that moved him. It wasn't the complaining. It was just a person. It was just the love which God had for them from the foundation of the world. It was the love that God had for them before they were formed in their mother's womb. Before any of the circumstances in life came about, he loved them. The scripture says, even while we were dead in our sins and trespasses, Christ died for us. And, you know, that didn't change when the obstacles of life came around. When you had to actually walk out this walk of faith. Because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And he hasn't changed. The question is, what's our perspective say? I remember there was an old wise man who lived, I can't even tell you how many thousands of years ago, and he had this quote, um, I think his name was Epictetus, And he said, men are not disturbed 
What's that code? Hold on, I just forgot it again. Oh, yeah, he said, men are not disturbed by things, but by the view they take on things. And how true is that in our lives? That we're disturbed not necessarily by the mountain that we face, but we're disturbed by how we view the mountain and how much weight and power we give to that mountain. We're so often disturbed within our spirits at the moving of the enemy and what the enemy proclaims over us. But the reality is he has no power and authority. All he has is a voice to proclaim things that are not true to begin with because the Bible says he's the father of lies. And the truth isn't in him. But yet we let his his words and his opinions shake us to our very core at times. That we have a bill that is coming up due or past due and we don't know where the money is going to come from for this bill. And the enemy is like, oh, you're not going to make it. And all of a sudden we hear this voice in our head, you're not going to make it. And we're like, oh, my God, we're not going to make it. Oh, what are we going to do? I need to do this. I need, oh, wait, I need to go do this. I need to find another job. And, you know, let, let me go ask all my friends and what I can get a loan and I can do this. And, well, if I do this and I get go without here and all this other stuff. And we're like, where's your peace? Where's the part? deep down inside where he's buried the seed of his word that says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is my provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you learn to calm yourself and to be like, okay, God, It's your turn to move. You did it in the past. I'm trusting you to do it in the future. Have your way in me. You know, even there was a person who came up to Jesus asking him to heal his son. And Jesus said, all things are possible if you believe. And the man was like, I believe, help my unbelief. Because that man, at least he was honest with the Lord. At least he didn't he didn't try to put up a front and be like, okay, you know, well, of course I believe. Why would I come to you if I didn't believe? He was like, I believe, but help the areas of my unbelief. And you know the centurion knew. Jesus, you don't even have to come in my house. You don't have to take a step. You don't have to do anything. Just speak a single word and my servant will be healed. And our faith should rest not in ourselves, but it should rest in God. But we'll never get there if his word's not inside of us. And so now I'm going to attempt to circle back around to where God this whole subject started in the first place which was far too often we let the enemy win in our lives because we forget what his word declares about us. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
And what that means is the thoughts that are in your head about you are the things that you're going to believe which will determine how you live your life. Because once you let words get inside of your mind and then into your spirit and into your heart, those are the things that will come out of you. The Bible declares that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that are flowing out of your heart in abundance are the things that are going to come out of your mouth. It's why it says you can judge a tree by its fruit. You can know someone by the words that are coming out of your mouth, out of their mouth. You can know if they have joy, if they have peace, if they have trust in the Lord. Is the first thing that's coming out of their mouth is praising the Lord in all situations, or is it complaining and grumbling and disputing and trying to figure, just trying to figure it all out? You know, our salvation is the same way. It's not always about food or money or provisions. The very thing applies to our walk with the Lord. We talk a lot on this show about intimacy with the Lord. We talk about the ability that we have in Christ Jesus to have an intimate relationship with the Most High God through the blood of Christ how the Bible declares that we can come boldly to the throne of grace in which we're accepted in a time of need, where the whole, where it said, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and among us and will declare to us the things of the Father and reveal to us the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. And we have this amazing treasure of this relationship and these earthen vessels that we have of our bodies the Lord working in them and through us, transforming us into his image from glory to glory. But even still, you can't have that if you don't believe the Lord, and you can't believe the Lord if you don't know what his word declares. As it says in James, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And far too often, we let the enemy steal our joy. We let the enemy steal our peace. And, you know, it's ironic and it's, it's well, that's not a good word. It's funny how, and Paul said, have you, after having begun, begun in, the, in, in grace, are you now going to start walking in the flesh and according to works? And I paraphrase that that verse pretty badly, just so you all know. Um, It's in Galatians. But we start this walk of this new life by grace, by faith, and trusting in the Lord. And then, like the children of Israel, we tend to then start to go at it at a completely different way and start doing it by works. And, And instead of as we started off knowing that God is fully pleased in us, um, knowing that we're righteous not based on what we've done, but by the blood of Jesus. We start off that way, and then all of a sudden the enemy comes in and be like, you're messing up here, and you're not doing this right, and 
you need to do this and you need that. And we're like, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I do. And, you know, God, I'm, I'm not pleasing you today. And, God, I, I messed up. How could you ever forgive me? How, how could you ever love me? How could you ever do any of this stuff? And it's like how quickly we forgot this God that we serve. How quickly we forgot his word. How quickly we pretty much told God that he was a liar. And that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? That it, I thought the same thing when I heard it um, from the Lord the other day. I was like, God, that sounds harsh. I've never called you a liar. And it's like, yes, you have. And I'm like, how have I called you a liar? And he's like, when you when you started believing that I somehow changed and that I lied to you when I said I'll never leave you nor forsake you, when I said my grace is sufficient, when I said my strength is made perfect in my weakness, when I said that I will, that your 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 sinful deeds I will remember no more, when I said that you were forgiven, when I said that you are the eternal life, and every single time the enemy came in. And he declared something untrue over your life. And you took the words from the enemy and you put them in your heart and you began to believe them and you began to walk on them and you began to see yourself based on what the enemy said about you. And you took his side over mine. You called me a liar because you didn't believe me. And how often... Brothers and sisters, have we inadvertently, by our own actions, declared God to not be true? Declared that he wasn't able to do what he said he could do. And that he wouldn't do what he promised that he would do. Even though we know that he's faithful... We know that he is the author and finisher of our faith. But yet we let the enemy put lying words of deceit inside of our hearts so that we would believe the lie and not the truth. This is Prayer International Radio, our call in number 619 Six three eight eight four five eight. We need to take a quick break for a second. Um, and so, if you need prayer, give us a call. We are going to be back in lo- in just a few really quick minutes, and probably just like one one song, and we will be right back.
just began to say, Father. I grew up in the church. I've preached your kingdom and justice all over the earth. I've preached your kingdom and justice all over America.
the story is, you know, man, I, it's just like I was just praying that the Lord would have mercy on us because it just seems like that story about Martin Luther King, again, man, is like, it's about the fact that we can't deal with beautiful people. I just wanted to just, I was Lord. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. If you need um, prayer for anything, give us a call. So, as the song says, um, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. You know, quite a many number of times in my own life as a Christian <clears throat> I've um, had situations where things didn't turn out the way I expected them um, or I messed up I went one way when I was supposed to go another and I would always find myself pretty much kicking my own self and then it's like okay God where are you what happened and are you still there? And it's like, he's like, I never le I never left you. I never changed. I never moved. Your eyes just changed. Your perspective changed. You didn't look at me anymore. You were looking in another direction, but I was always here. And, you know, I said that sometimes we inadvertently tell God or call God a liar because we don't believe his word to be true, even though he said it. And many times I've had this discussion with the Lord about, you know, regardless of what's happened in life, He doesn't change. He's completely unchanging. Even if we screw up, if we do whatever, the Bible says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the one thing you can always count on above anything is the faithfulness of the Lord. And the Bible talks about entering, in Hebrews it talks about entering into His rest. The rest of the Lord, where we cease from our labors. Just as He, um, here let me... Um, me actually turn. This is um, Hebrews. I guess we're going to go back to. Uh, let's see where where I'm going to go. We'll start with Hebrews chapter three, verse seven, and I'll just read this for a minute, if that's okay. It says, "Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion and the days of trial in the wilderness." Where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. And it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God but exhort one another daily why it is called today 
lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For if we have become partakers of Christ, or I'm sorry, it says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not, they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and, to the, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter it because of disobedience. Again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God does from his own. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You know, there's a rest for the children of God. There's a rest that comes from having faith in Him and trusting Him. Because then, when you're walking in a lifestyle of trust in the Lord, you cease to worry. You cease to have fear that doesn't come from God to begin with. The Bible says that He has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, if we look into the scriptures at the lives of the children of Israel all the way up through his disciples, we'll see the same patterns that sometimes we can see in our own lives of having obstacles and mountains come and our faith being shaken and having a choice on what we're going to believe, who we're going to believe. Um, and, you know, the children of Israel um, throughout pretty much the entirety, the scripture says about the children of Israel, through um, even Peter getting out of the boat and walking to Jesus, first starting off in faith and then turning to his own abilities and falling short of reaching the Lord through faith because he ceased to pay attention and look at the Lord and to remember the command of the Lord and began to look at his own self and his own abilities. And then even once again, when the disciples were in the boat and the boat sinking and all of a sudden they wake up the Lord Jesus and they're like, don't you care that we're perishing? As if the Son of God who created the universe and the world and everything in it would be shaken by the storm on the earth which he created. That this that the very water and the storms and the wind that were all held together by his will somehow had power over him. That a circumstance or something physical in the physical realm had authority over him that they thought that they could possibly perish with the Lord God right there. But yet they did, and they're like, don't you care that we're perishing? Why aren't you doing anything? Did you bring us out here on this boat to die? And Jesus got up, and he looked at the water, and he's like, peace be still. And, you know, as I, I've heard it said, you'll always speak that which is inside of you. And you'll always speak that which you have an abundance of. As it says, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When Jesus spoke peace to the storm, it's because that's what he had, was he had peace. He had complete knowledge and assurance of who he was. He had complete knowledge and assurance of who his father was. And the enemy could not take his peace from him. But as we see in the life of Jesus, he was continually before the Father, continually in the presence of the Father, continually in the Word, um, studying um, the Bible. And so when the enemy came and tried to twist and um, pervert the Word of God and even the life of Jesus... The peace that Jesus had in him rose up, and the scripture that he had placed inside of him rose up. And so, when the enemy said, um, "Cast yourself or cast yourself off this building," or "I'll give you all this," you know, Jesus didn't have to argue with the enemy. He didn't have to complain or be like, "Why is the enemy attacking me?" He was just with the peace that was in him. He's like, you know what? The Bible says. You shall worship the Lord your God, and in him only shall you serve Satan. And then that was it. 
and Satan left. Because Jesus was mindful of his place and who he was in the Father. And we too, if we sort of go back to the beginning of um, this broadcast, we too at times need to um, be mindful of who we are in the Lord and the place that we hold with the Lord and to have his word inside of us. Sorry, we're doing that whole where I switch headset things again. You know, um, it, it it always surprises me my own my own um, the own time the times in my own life where I doubt God. Um, and to go back to what I was saying in the beginning, um, sometimes what we need to do is, and, you know, however you want to remember what the Word of God says over you, then you do that. And, but what I've heard people tell me, and I know works, is to go through the Scriptures and find everything in the Bible that God said about you, all the promises that God made about you. And just start writing them down. Put them on notepads. Put them on index cards. Put them all throughout your house. Put them on the walls and the bathroom mirrors. And put them on your car dashboard. So that the words, the promises of God about who you are, in him and what he has declared about you and over you are always before your face. And then you always continually look at those and you speak those out with your mouth over your life. So you're constantly remembering what God said about who you are in him. So that way when the enemy does come in, when you're put into a situation where you're at the end of your rope, you're at the end of your own abilities, you can stop and keep your peace because it's what you have in you. Because you've become founded upon a rock. Because your life is grounded upon the Word of God. Your scripture says that the Word of God can dwell in you through faith, being rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded in the love of the Father over us. You know, does the Bible say that he's a provider or does it say he's not? Well, he is. One of those scriptures says those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you want to walk in a new life, if you want to walk in freedom, if you want to walk in grace and in strength 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you want to see your life drastically, drastically transformed. So much that you can't even imagine what it was like to go back to any other way of living. Start taking this word of God and start putting it in your heart. Start declaring it and speaking it over your life. And why is it every time I'm outside there's always a plane overhead or a helicopter? I guess my house is like right in the path of where helicopters go because every time I, almost every other night when I'm out here I'm doing the broadcast, there's a helicopter that goes overhead. Anyway, but take the word of God and start declaring it over your life. Take the word of God and start declaring it over your situations. Before you even have a situation, he said, though you pass through the waters, it will not overflow you. Though you walk through the fire, you will not be burned or consumed. Remember, the Bible says, do not forget the benefits of the Lord. Continually have his word in your heart. Because it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Because if you want the presence of God in your life, you're first going to have to believe that His presence is there. If you want a relationship with God that goes beyond basic knowledge that there is a God, and you want something more, and you desire something more from the Lord, then you first have got to believe that it's there and it's possible, and that He desires that of you, which we know the Bible declares. Jesus told His disciples something really strange. He said, up until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that your joy may be full. Ask that your joy may be full. How do we know the things? The Bible says the Holy Spirit reveals to us the things of the Father so that we know we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That we may be that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You know, far too often we walk throughout this walk of faith in the Lord, being completely unaware of the things that we have of the things that belong to us, of the things that are ours already to begin with before we even ask them. You know, Jesus said, the Father knows every need you have before you ask it. He knows all the things you need. That's why Jesus said you don't need to make, like, long prayers, repeating the same thing over and over again, because somehow you think that if you... pray the same thing over and 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 over over again that it's going to change how much God's going to want to give you something we already know he blesses those who seek him he blesses us not because we're good but he blesses us because he's good he provides for us daily not because we deserve it because we've somehow worked it out or have earned anything. But he provides for us because that's who he is as our father. And that's his place as our father. 
That's his character. That's his nature as a provider. But if you don't believe that he's a provider, you won't walk as if he is your provider. As David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He prepares a banquet before me and the table, I mean, a banquet before me in the presence of my enemy. He anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is a place of rest for his children who are willing to walk not according to their eyes not according to just their own heart but according to the faith they have in his word those who are willing to lay down their fighting who lay down their working and their striving and just just trust him to be who he is You don't have to trust the Lord To do something amazing in your life You don't have to have some amazing faith That God's going to interact in your life You just have to have faith That he is who he is You just have to have faith That he doesn't change You just have to have faith That his word remains the same All the other stuff will just happen Through that faith through your walking with the Lord, growing in your knowledge of who He is, growing in your knowledge of who you are in Him, growing in your knowledge of what He's already declared over you. You know, the Bible says that He has written our names in the palms of His hands. if you just picture the hands of the Lord and engraved in his hands he's written your name out because he has declared he will never forget you he has declared that he would never leave you nor forsake you but you know it wasn't the first time that God wrote your name on the palms of his hands today I was on the train and all of a sudden I realized you know what he did that twice the first time the Bible says he did it but then maybe it's the same time because it doesn't say he used markers or he used a pen I don't know what kind of pen God would use but you know those holes from the nails that pierced through his hands when they nailed him to a tree, when they nailed him to the cross. Those holes in his hands where he hung there taking all the punishment for our sins. Those holes that are there 
in his hands for all eternity. Declare his love for us. We can look at those holes in his hands and see our names written in there. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you. I'm doing this for you. There's nothing I won't do. There's no limit to my love for you. Your sins I won't remember anymore. Come walk in my joy. Come walk in my peace. Come walk with me. Believe that I am He. And trust my love for you. Trust His love for you tonight. Trust His devotion and His unending faithfulness in your life. Your hand reached into the depths of darkness. Your Pull me to the light of Your you spoke the word that broke my heart. Your burning with holy passion and fire.
But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of men, of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. It says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And then if you go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. It says, but this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for since forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he said, that, he said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is a remission of these, there is no longer an offering of sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more as you see the day approaching. There's a rest to enter into. There is a presence to enter to. He has made access. The Lord Jesus Christ has given us access 
to the presence of the Father, has sent us the Holy Spirit of God to dwell with us forever, that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God, that we can continue to have fellowship with the Most High through the blood of Jesus Christ, through faith in Him. But if we lose sight of what His Word declares, if we lose sight of His promises over us, if we lose sight of what He has declared, then we will no longer have a way into His presence, though it still remains there, because we will not be able to see it. You know, at times we... We said this before, at times we pray for things that we really don't need to pray for because we already have them. We pray for favor of the Lord, but we already have His favor. We pray for grace, even though He has poured grace out abundantly in our lives. We pray for His presence to be with us and not leave us, even though He's declared He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We pray for open heavens, even though he has already poured out and opened up heaven and made an access. As Jesus declared, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that word repent doesn't apply just to those on the outside, those who do not know God. But it applies to all of us, to repent, turn from our wicked ways, turn from our sin and turn toward God. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His kingdom is at hand. All the authority, all the dominion, all the power has been granted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have an open heaven. We have an open ear with the Father. You know, at in times past when kings used to rule the earth, and even now with presidents and leaders of nations, men will wait lifetimes for a single chance to enter into the office of whoever their leader is. And the United States right now, it's uh, Barack Obama, and the chances of me ever being in the White House, um, ever getting into the Oval Office where he works, is almost impossible. Even if he wasn't there, he could be on vacation, and the chance of me getting in that room is almost impossible because few men get to enter in there, even more so if he's actually there. And yet we have a king whom we serve. With our whole hearts. We have a king whose kingdom is heaven. And not only heaven, but the dominion of his reign is all of heaven and earth. And we have an open door. He has an open door policy that we are welcomed into his presence. 
whenever we want to be there. We have his ear. We can walk before the come before the Father boldly because we're accepted in his presence. He has made a way for us to dwell in the house of the Lord. David said, one thing I have desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And here we are in these last days, having that word been fulfilled, that we can dwell in the house of the Lord, dwell in his presence, have intimacy and fellowship with God. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But he calls us friends. But he also said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Have to throw that one in there. So whoever you are tonight that's out there, be reconciled to God. Turn from your sins. Trust in the Lord tonight. Trust in this Jesus Christ who has died for your sins so that you may have a new life. Regardless of if you've never known the Lord or you've known Him your entire life, turn your heart back to the Lord. Open up the doors of your heart. Expand the borders of your heart so that He can come in and dwell in you and among you so that He can move in your life so that he can reveal himself to you so that he can reveal the unmeasurable love which he has for you Father in the name of your son Jesus Christ Lord I pray that you would open up the eyes and ears of every person listening Father Lord every person who's listening live and every person who's listening to an archive Father, that you would quicken their minds and their spirits. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal the words of Jesus to them. That you would give them revelation into your word, Father. That this word would become a fountain of living water springing up inside of them, Father. That your word would take hold inside of their hearts. That they would be rooted and grounded in your love, Father. They would be rooted and grounded in the knowledge, Jesus, of who you are. Father, that you would help them walk them through, Lord. Holy Spirit, show them how to enter into your rest, Father. Lord, we give you, God, you are so holy and awesome. We give you praise and honor tonight, God. Because we know your promises are yes and amen. So for Chris Herzog and I'm Sean Holmberg, this has been Prayer International Radio. If you still need prayer, you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. We will be back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So for all of you, in the name of the Lord, um, Father, bless them all in your name. Amen.